2: Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim, and today's topic is serial killer William McDonald, better known as the mutilator from Sydney, Australia, who terrorized um, Sydney between June of 1961 and April of 1963, um, best known for his, um, the brutal attacks in which he would uh, stab his victims around the neck and head area, and after killing them, would cut off their testicles and penises. So (laughs) I don't know why Brandy is laughing. Of course,
1: the first one back has got to be a testicle slicer (laughs) killer.
2: We'd like to welcome back, uh, as you probably heard the giggles in the background when I mentioned slicing off penises. We would like to welcome back um, the very lovely and talented, um, the mistress of the macabre, the empress of evil, and Satan's dirty little secret... (laughs) The Devil.
1: And Timmy, Le- just let me say here something. Can I say here <laughs> Let me introduce you know, her you know, first. You just introduced her Brandy. Welcome back, Brandy.
3: Hi. I'm so happy to be back.
1: We're happy
2: to have you back.
1: Timmy? Yes. How many podcasts right? do we do without the devil?
2: Uh, a couple, but let me introduce you first, okay? Because you're not officially here yet. I'm also joined by the very distinguished, the very honorable, the very dependable, most usually... <laughs> The colonel, uh, the courageous colonel, Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters the affectionately known as the Southern gentleman. Now, colonel, you may speak. How are you today? Okay, the colonel has handed me a note that reads, "Please excuse <laughs> please excuse the colonel from the podcast. He has a sore tongue." Signed, the colonel's doctor. <laughs>
3: Your herpes do not give you an excuse to <laughs> so not be were honest. That say-
1: out of the way, Timmy, let me ask you a question. <laughs> How many podcasts do we do without the devil? A oh, few. A few? Yeah. A few. And what were they, Timmy? Uh, they were... Uh, they were righteous, Timmy.
2: They were righteous. They were
1: righteous. They were pure. They were pure. And yeah. what did you do, Timmy? <laughs> what did you do? She handed out that apple and you couldn't help yourself, could you? I walked into the building this morning and I hurt to my marrow, Timmy. I hurt to my marrow. You know why, Timmy? <laughs>
2: What's Mara? Because, because What's Mara? because the devil He's was
1: in the him. building, Timmy. Yeah, she's I back. She's back. back. We we laid a whole new foundation for the history Weaves nation, and you <laughs> let the devil back in.
2: What the hell is wrong with him?
3: I don't know, but hi! I'm <laughs> so happy.
2: We're glad you're back, Brandy. And did you bring your gallbladder for show and tell? I did not. I think that we should considered... post a picture of it uh, on the website. I later. think it's considered <laughs> hazardous waste.
1: Oh. That all being said, welcome back, devil.
2: Thank you. Now, what's this this with you, Colonel? You can't talk? He's got a herpy.
1: I bit my tongue, Timmy. So. (laughs) I was eating some food. I bit my tongue. I got a sore on my tongue.
2: So you're asking us to be where You're asking to be excused from the podcast because you bit your tongue.
1: Um, I'm asking you to make a
2: reasonable accommodation under the ADA Act of 1981. Because he was chowing on some food. Well, ADA Act was 1988, but. but besides I'm that... I'm getting grandfathered in, me.
3: <laughs> he was chowing on some food, which clearly...
2: No, he was chowing on, chowing on a peppermint. A butterscotch. I was
1: eating a peppermint. I bit into the peppermint. This peppermint was weeks ago. become... Uh, Herpes. They become very sharp, and one impaled itself into
2: my tongue. It is not a pleasant <laughs> sensation. Herping, herping, so every time he talks, it hurts him. So you're going to limit. Well, it's I mean, I think, I think no. everyone is okay with you limiting your... It's healed now, but talking. I did three podcasts while it hurt, so I should get one while it,
1: while it doesn't. I should get one off while it doesn't. Okay, yeah. Colonel, you just sit down and don't say anything. We're just We're just happy you're here. No. Well, I just don't, I don't understand it. You know what we're doing to me? What I see the Facebook page. I see all those little cackling hens and I love Brandy, them. Timmy, you leave Brandy. them alone. We're pandering to me. Sure, there's a small segment of our listenership, this unhinged and You're talking about Team Brandy. Team Brandy, the unhinged group that finds this woman. But Timmy, that's a small percent. They're a small but loud minority.
3: Yeah. I love I love my minority. <laughs> They're wonderful. Thank They're unhinged. You for all- Thank bunch. you for all the well wishes. They shall now, from it. now
1: ever, be known as the
2: Cacklin Hen Crew. Well, they're working call, on a, a, Call a, them what you want. I seen that Brittany Cole, Nicole was working on this uh, sweatshirt for. Oh, it wasn't Brittany and Nicole. And I don't what, think it was I another think, Brittany. No, I think it's Brittany Nicole. We'll check it is out. It? Yeah. yeah. And but, while we're at it,
1: I'd like to thank San Francisco Giant Nut for uh, his this nice is comment on uh, Facebook. ITunes. Yeah, iTunes. yeah. Thank you. We got a nice
2: iTunes uh, review in which I was called Adequate. And and I appreciate that. You clearly are. Yeah.
1: And said that uh, occasionally there are women on the show, but they don't really seem to add (laughs) any value. But he really liked the Colonel, so, uh, yeah. uh, Thank you. A discerning listener.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was was Brittany. Yeah, Brittany
1: Nicole. Was it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so uh, San Francisco Nut said that... um, He liked our show, and he gave us a good. He gave us four stars, so we appreciate that. We also got some five star reviews um, that I want to mention as well from Stevers, Mike C. Dad, and Chuck the Red. So we appreciate Chuck the
1: Red. That sounds like a evil a ginger uh, ginger Viking. It does sound like a Viking.
2: Maybe we maybe he is a Viking, Mm -hmm. Uh, but. They give us some good reviews, so thank you very much. Got some nice emails from a couple folks. Uh, we appreciate um, um, Josh and, all, of course, the whole uh, Team Brittany or Team Brandy. I'm guessing I don't have a Team Brittany yet. Team Brandy out there. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh,
1: Save your souls, ladies. Save sa- your souls. Get yourself some church Go to church on Sunday and release these fine women from your grip, devil. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Release you these fine women. Pull from your Get no. behind these Satan. That's what these They're women They're wonderful. They're wonderful. Yeah, well, you...
3: You know what? They made me feel better when I really didn't feel very good at all. So I appreciate it. Thank you,
2: everyone. I mean, nobody That's, said nothing when I had a sore tongue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Scott. Scott is on Team Colonel. He's the only one. <laughs> that's an army of one with, with <laughs> friends like he's Scott. a wolf pack of one <laughs> it's a, the lone wolf he is a lone wolf yeah but uh we also want to thank uh so we thank uh all those folks who've been commenting on our page Brittany nicole as we said mary ray marvin kim taylor stephanie q charlie eric dwight Tricia hillward and michael moody thank you all for your comments and keep them coming we love reading them um Colonel, you have your two standard shout outs. I got
1: my shout out to Lady Beverly. Lady Beverly's a courageous woman. She's always feeling a little bit under the weather, but she's uh doing well. Um so we are hoping that she is as always on the men. She's very active. All I always I follow her on Facebook. She's always she sees a lot of movies. Yeah, and you um, know she posts a lot of updates. And on she her. updates our Facebook yeah, page a lot better cool than stuff. you do, I might yeah, add. Yeah, I know. She does, um, she put
2: a lot of cool stuff she gives us updated on English history, so we appreciate and that. And our
1: one-footed wonder, the lovely and beautiful, who, who you keep trying to kill, right, Dottie Scott? I do not do Quit not. trying she's, to kill your mom. She's too. on she's the men. Firework. She
2: is on the men. Okay, let's jump into For now. <laughs> let's jump into William McDonald, better known as Mutilator, uh, and let's talk about his dastardly deeds. I'm gonna give you a little background on him. Um, first of all, he had several aliases. Um, We're going to go with William MacDonald just because that is what he was known by when he committed most of his murders. Um, But anyway, William MacDonald was born Allen Ginsberg in, in Liverpool, England in 1924, which, of course, Colonel, Liverpool, England... Liverpool, England is where the home the where the Beatles originated, Timmy. Yes, exactly. So he was born there in England, nineteen twenty four. I don't have his exact birth date there, so we don't know whether his mother or not was pregnant. No, but I I will tell you during the holidays. that uh the Colonel's granddaddy yeah. um was a
1: was a fine, fine saxophone player. And he was sometimes referred to as the fifth Beatle, Timmy.
2: Was he like Pete Best? Um, no, he was he he used to go on the road with him,
1: play uh you played know, play the concerts. He, he, did played the with the Be-
2: he, he played with the Beatles. Yep. Did they, were they aware of it? They were not aware <laughs> of it. <to> <laughs>
0: okay.
1: But he would bring his sax to the show and play along to me. That's all that matters. He was a fifth Beatle.
2: He was. So, well, that's interesting. Colonel, I didn't know that. Um, what he, he played the sax, huh? Okay. He did. Okay. So, um, <laughs> McDonald's, I said, was born in Liverpool in 1924. Um he, he was mistreated by his father his father wanted to toughen him up and make so he he used to beat him and he made him smoke he made him take up smoking smoking will toughen you up
1: yeah well smoking will toughen you know that ain't I mean I thought you are not supposed to
2: be talking (laughs) you're not following your doctor's orders well doctor can't tell me what to do all the time to me Okay, doctor's not the boss of him (laughs) okay so anyway his father was kind of a tough love kind of guy um he would sometimes make William sleep outside in the middle of winter, placing a plate of food for him in the backyard. Well, then, what what's the problem? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I, apparently, Timmy, you have a different view on childbearing than, <laughs> than me, most people. Mr. Ginsburg, and the devil. Well, I'm just... Because <laughs> I have tossed Logan out in the backyard on a number of occasions.
2: Oh, poor Logan. Um, so... Um, yeah, so he made him sleep outside in the middle of the winter. He put him a, a plate of food out there. He would also have him stand uh, in, uh, in just his underwear in the winter and take the uh, hose, uh, you know, the garden hose, and spray water on it. Sure. Him.
1: But it don't get that, uh, that cold in Australia. No, this was God.
2: in England when he was Oh, well, yeah. It
1: gets cold there, but it don't yeah. get that
2: cold. Um, yeah, they, he would move to Australia later on. Uh, his mother was uh, pretty meek and kind of just went along with her husband's brutality. Um, So she didn't really intervene on his behalf. Now, William proved to be an unusual child. Uh, He was prone to taking long walks at night by himself. Uh, And on many occasions, his mother would have to call the police and go out searching for him because I guess he would just kind of roam around and not come home. He was kept to himself. He didn't have a lot of friends. Um, He never sought company uh, of others and really remained friendless all of his life. He was uh, diagnosed um, as a young man with, with having schizophrenia, uh, which, you know, back in uh, you know the 50s, there wasn't a whole lot they could do for you. There wasn't the psych man that they are today. Well, I would have thought
1: that standing him out in the, in the time and hosing him with cold water that wasn't that it. one of the treatments. Yeah, that would
2: have gotten better. You know, kids these days are just... They're what pampered. That, the they're pampered. Well, this was in the forties. <laughs> I don't know about these days, but in 1943, at the age of 19, he joined the army, and um, he served. Uh, he was served in a place called Lancashire. I'm not sure where that is. I'm sure Lady Beverly knows. Um, and he he served in an air raid shelter. He worked. He was a corporal. No, oh, no, I'm sorry. He he was a private in the and he served at an air raid. That shelter. That seems
1: fitting. He is a private. Um, he was Privacy.
2: raped by a corporal. Ah, I hate that for him. Called rank on him, and uh, the corporal he raped did. him and threatened him with death if he told anyone. And this seems to be where his uh, obsession with um, penises comes into play. I would think that forcible sodomy would turn you against penises. Yeah, he's anti-penis, uh, I mm. think. <clears throat> Although he did, but well, we'll get into it a minute. At first, a young uh, McDonald felt bad about what happened, but as time went by, he realized that he enjoyed the physical experience, and believed that it was the start of his life as a homosexual. Well, you oh, have to get it. Oh, for the love
1: of God, man! You had
2: to start somewhere. Alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> <a> <laughs> that's that's that, how it works. <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess if somebody would have come and shove pizza in his face, he would have liked that for the rest of his life too. I don't. I mean, you got to be so suggestible. Just make your own decision.
2: Oh. I guess, good Lord. But his life would bring him nothing but misery and humiliation. Him,
1: misery? Apparently, yes. the way you talk it's brought a lot of other people misery.
2: <laughs> that sounds like my life. Okay, yeah. so um, being, raped by the, <laughs> being raped by the despised corporal uh, would constantly be on William's young mind throughout his life, and it would play an important role in creating the horrific events that were ahead of him. He uh, came out of the Army in 1947. Uh, Again, he was uh, diagnosed by psychiatrists as being schizophrenic. And uh, his brother had him committed to a mental asylum in Scotland uh, that was really a horrible place. It was just like out of the dark ages. The cells were crammed full of raving lunatics. And it was freezing cold, um, kind of like doing these podcasts. Pretty much like, yeah, I was just thinking, yeah. Uh, He received shock treatments every day. Shock treatments every day, every day for six months. That lucky some bitch, right? Mine only once a week. And, uh, I, yeah, I think he did it, but he did it with on his uh, shot on his brain, not on his junk. Oh, they didn't do it yeah. on his junk. Yeah, that would because a few volts
1: running through your junk, is yeah, all right. that ple- yeah. unpleasant. Right. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, you, you have to get it just right. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. When you when you smell the skin start to smoke, that's <laughs> yeah. when you got to yeah, turn it down well, a Yeah, too if you see the smoke coming, <laughs> yeah. it's uh,
2: turn it down a notch. After six months, um, his mother got him out of the asylum. And, uh, he oh, bless got, her heart. Yeah. As he grew older, McDonald became an active homosexual, openly soliciting men in public toilets and bars. That's what Chuck does.
1: So yeah. so what you're saying is, during the rape, he just laid there. He wasn't active at all. Yeah, No,
2: no. no but he think, became active. No, he, he was active. a victim then, but he, you know, he, I guess he figured... He was a victim, and that is sad. No means no. No means no. Exactly. Even for serial killers.
1: I think in this case, ow means no. (laughs) No.
2: Ow, quit that, stop that, ow! That means no. His his obvious homosexuality made life difficult. Oh, so he was a flamer. (laughs) He was a
3: flaming homosexual.
2: and this was a very conservative time in in history. And, um, you know, homosexuality was not... um, It was frowned upon. It was frowned upon. He moved from job to job, but uh, as the taunts and ridicule became too much for him to cope with, um, he also started worrying about his own sanity. Of course, I said he had these uh, mental health issues. He consulted a psychiatrist in 1947 about his mental condition, um, and he was complaining that the, uh, he was being persecuted and was causing him to have illusions and strange noises. head. There's,
1: there's a strange thing phenomenon in psychiatry to me. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Kiplinger's Rule. Okay. Kiplinger's Paradox. That if Is this you,
2: the thing with the cat?
1: If you question your own sanity, you're not insane.
2: Yeah, well... Not the thing and, with the cat.
1: No, that's Schrodinger's cat.
2: Okay. I watch Big Bang, I okay. know. At the uh, his psychiatrist's recommendation, he spent three months in a mental institution again, but it changed nothing. Uh, disillusioned and convinced that his surroundings were to blame for his unstable mental condition... Uh, William immigrated to Canada in 1949 and then on to Australia in 1955. Now he was an immigrant. Those lucky bastards got him. Yeah, he, he moved over to Canada and then over to Australia, and he changed his name from then Allen Gre- Ginsberg to William McDonald. He had a new name, a new home, but his, the old habits were, you know, die hard, and he was shortly upon arrival. He was charged with indecent assault as he touched a detective on the penis in a public uh, toilet. Where else would you touch a detective in Well, a yeah, toilet?
1: I mean, if you want to get... I mean, he did have it out. <laughs> he did have it. He was asking, he for, was
2: asking it. for it. He was asking for it. He Had on that uniform.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, McDonald got placed on two years probation for his little, uh, for filling up the detective. Um, filling up the detective? Uh, whatever. With what? <laughs> uh, whatever. Gross. He, he then was, uh, and he moved to Sydney, uh, but... He he worked. Uh, he was working on a construction site, but the, his co-workers were picking on him and calling him names, teasing him about his sexuality. You know how construction workers can be.
1: I would think that you would find another field, maybe working in a floral shop or something like that, cake <laughs> decorator. I don't know. But he
2: he retaliated by uh, taking a very sharp knife and slashing the tires of their bicycles. See, I just don't <laughs> see construction workers riding bicycles. <laughs> but you know that. what? No. They're lucky. That's all he slashed. That's not yeah, well, that, yeah. They got off pretty easy.
1: Well, it tires was a gateway drug, Timmy. I've heard that. Yeah, you start, you slice
2: a tire. and then it moves, first moves, it's on, a tire. moves forward. Yeah, yeah, first it's a tire. and then it's a testicle. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey. Um, he held. Uh, so he held jobs only until the taunts became too strong, and then he would move on from kind of state to state. Um, and he had this urge, his urge to kill his tormentors, urge uh, to purge. Yeah. Uh, whether he was just really people are really doing that or he was just paranoid uh, the longer he went and people were making he just felt people were making fun of him behind his back um, and again he couldn't get over this uh, you know he kept thinking people knew that, about him being raped. you know so he had this shame well probably from the way he sat
1: down all the time it's like oh, maybe ooh. wow I need a cushion booth please I thought Not he wasn't argument.
2: supposed to be talking You know, it never lasts. So let's get to his dastardly deeds, shall we? Um, uh, Devil. Nope. This started in Brisbane, the capital of Northern Australia. Uh, In 1960, he befriended a 55 year old uh, gentleman by the name of Amos Hurst. Amos.
1: Amos. No good ever comes from being pals with the Amos.
2: Uh, Amos was a derelict. But it sounds like Amos. You know, so. his victims tended to be derelicts uh, or <laughs> vagrants. So do our listeners. <laughs> That's not
3: true. <laughs> so. I wonder if he would be at the uh, Hobo Convention. He
1: may be. Because you I know, apologize, that, listeners. Yeah, only I a few of you are derelicts.
2: Right. <laughs> Because you know, Carl Azaran, he got raped by a bunch of hobos. He did. Yeah. Uh, it ain't nothing worse than a hobo raping. <laughs> a gang, gang banged by hobo. because yes. yeah, they—they're not very clean. <laughs> no, they're not clean. And you know <laughs> hobos that hobos are not speak. known for foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> they are not. They're not known for using a lot of lube because they don't have lube. They can't afford it. I think they're greasy to begin Spit. with.
3: <laughs> Stop. This is We're like to
2: apologize to any hobos who might be listening. Um, you so, greasy raping bastards. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, McDonald and Mister Hurst uh, started a long drinking session together in a nearby hotel. And then they went back to Hearst's hotel room, where they sat on a. Went, they sat on his bed and drank beer. Um, the agent alcoholic Hearst, was so drunk that he probably had no idea that uh, McDonald was strangling him until it was too late.
3: I hate that.
1: Yeah, he just it was, it was, when
3: shit goes wrong. Yeah, he thought yeah. it was
1: rough. Homo yeah, that's,
2: hey, that's a <laughs> lot too date,
3: many drinks. When, when your when it, date takes a left and you don't even know. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, later, McDonald would claim that he had no intentions of murdering Hearst uh, when they went back to his room, but the urge to kill him just came on all of a sudden, and he had to squeeze his hand really tight around Hearst's uh, neck to kill him. Uh, yeah. As he was being strangled, uh, Anna, uh, Amos Hurst hemorrhaged and blood spurted out of his mouth all over McDonald's oh that nasty son bitch hobo right couldn't just die like a decent well, folk and
3: you know what that's how you don't get your deposit back on shit <laughs> yeah. that's how
2: well McDonald <laughs> the hotel gets pissy about yeah, stuff yeah McDonald did not uh, handle the blood squirting on him very well he started punching Hurst in the face and Clearly. Uh, uh, Hurst fell on the floor dead. Will you be pissed off, too,
1: somebody spitting blood all over you. you just trying to choke You're just trying to choke him? Yeah, you just choke a man out. It ain't like you're shooting him or nothing. You're trying to do it without the blood. That's the whole point of the choking.
2: Well, he falls on the floor. Hurst falls on the floor, and he's dead. Then McDonald then undresses Hurst, puts him in the bed. Uh, he Maybe washed, nobody will know. He washed, <laughs> he washed the blood from his arms and hands, quietly left the building, and returned to his his apartment. Terrified that any minute there would be a knock on his door from the police. McDonald looked in the papers every day for the story of the murder of Amos Hearst, but no story appeal, appeared. He didn't bang the corpse. Though. Because he was no, a he did hobo. Uh, five days later, he found a Hearst's name in the obituary column, uh, and he really couldn't believe his eyes because it said that the old man had died of a heart attack. So he got away with one. What the papers did not say was that what... Amos' Hurst, uh, postmortem showed that he had died of a heart attack. It also revealed that um, from it also revealed that from severe bruising on the neck, that there was a possibility of str- death by strangulation. So. He got you know got away with one there. When you have a heart attack, does blood spurt
3: from your eyes? I, I have not because seen because I'm that. not familiar. Yeah,
2: I'm not a medic, but yeah, I,
3: yeah, I know
1: Doctor Quinn, but yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I've not even played one on the radio.
2: <laughs> I think they probably just figured, uh, you know, he was, no, he was a hobo. Nobody, hobo, no one cared. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Uh, I care, of course, but I, you know, I know you. Well, you how you know a police
1: are. The Only good hobos uh, are dead yeah,
2: hobos. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> adequate. Unaware of his uh, close scrape with retribution, McDonald went to his uh, newfound career as a murderer and added, with added enthusiasm, and bought a knife and um, yes. went looking around at wine bars. I guess I don't know what wine bar is, but. A o Bar? No, Wine mm-hmm. Bars. I that. think it's a Wino Bar. Okay. Uh, sle- where you, and sleazy hotels where you pick up and, the gays. in Brisbane uh, <laughs> to find his next victim. Um, you know, they were full of down and outs. Um, and uh, so that's the gays way. just don't go to a pub. No, I didn't think he was looking for gays. Really, he just looking for anyone he could
1: kill. Um, well, you wasn't going to get many straight guys to come back to your room with you.
2: That's yeah, true. That's true. It's it's true. So anyway, he um, moved to in 1961. He moved to Sydney. He found accommodations in East Sydney, and it's where here where he become known around the parks and public toilets. Of Miss uh, George Michael, <laughs> of meeting uh, places, you know, as a, he, he became known as someone that you could meet and hook up with. I'll you tell you what, day. the cur-
1: now, I'll tell you something, Timmy. I go to the airport, I go to a public place, McDonald's, whatnot, the bus station. I don't get on buses much, but sure. anywhere there's a public toilet. Uh, and the Colonel has a standard protocol I unzip my drawers, uh-huh. I point it and look straight forward, uh-huh. I do not move my feet. And then I zip them back, uh-huh. and I wash my hands. Okay. See, because apparently there's all kinds of crazy little signals you can give
2: off. Well, here's yeah. the thing. It, you know what's creepy? If you're a guy, you go into a, a public restroom, and you go into a stall, and there are like 50 urinals. What happened to the trough? That I like the trough. You know, they still have that, or I think they still have that. You uh, need the trough. And, um, they have a great American, American ballpark, don't Wrigley, they? No, Wrigley Field has a trough. But anyway, everybody, you guys are just getting way too uppity with your own yeah. individual little things. Well, you just know but I'm, say, I'm saying? You
3: guys pee outside. But you, you guys said, will piss on a tree or a to, car tire or whatever else. Hold on. You guys will piss anywhere and you want to get all uppity about everybody needs their own individual I'll stuff. If you're out ideas. in public.
2: I, I don't mind. I'm being yeah. right now. I'm <laughs> <peering>. no, <yeah.
3: laughs> but if you're out in public, then everybody gets their own individual urinal.
1: You know why? Because you need a trough. If you
2: tap foots or something, it means something. Well, well, what I'm saying is, if you go, what's creepy is when you go into a public Don't wash your hands in that. Though. And there's 50 urinals in there and no one's in there but you. And you go and you get one and then Someone walks in, they get the. The one wall, right, right beside you. Thing. Yes.
3: Oh my God! They Before do they that in talking. women's
2: rooms. Oh, creepy.
3: Don't get the one oh, right beside you. There's Eighty-five toilets in here. Yeah. Get the one furthest down, and there's no talking. Yeah. There's no chit chat. I don't be. know you. Yeah. There's Even no if chit-chat. you did, they
2: should not be no. See, chit-chat. but here's
1: my thing: when you got your junk in your hand and you're unloading urine, yeah, you should have your head focused, not on. Don't turn sideways, because what happens with men is they can't they can't just I move know. the head sideways. They so it's gotta like move when you're driving. Sideways. It's like when you're driving. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the colonel got got you got pee on my one. alligator boots. On your alligator boots. It don't work on the alligator boots. You got it's hard to no. clean pee off your alligator boots.
2: No,
3: you
1: can't.
2: So in June, on June fourth, nineteen sixty-one, which was of course just less than one month after I was born, clearly. Police were summoned to the Your mama was d- pregnant during the holidays. Yes, yeah, she was. Police was summoned... And during this time. To... No, because she just had me on, in May. This uh, was June of 1961. Would you people focus? She just had you in May? <clears throat> yeah, May 9th. Uh, of 1961? Yeah. Oh, so she wasn't getting busy. No. Police were summoned to the Sydney B- Domain Bath, where a man's new corpse was found, savagely, sta- sa- savagely stabbed... What? Him over 30 times God. and his genitalia completely severed what? from his body. Well, now stop that, Timmy. That ain't even right to talk about. It. His genitalia I was say, completely,
1: completely severed from it his it
3: body. I know a lot of men whose genitalia lives outside have their you, body.
1: Have you ever noticed that when you say the genitalia was mangled, destroyed, crushed, whatever, if there are a man in the room, look like me right now, I he got my hands eggs. over my genitalia. You always
3: have your hand over your genitalia. You mm. always are cupping your junk. That's I don't know what your deal is.
1: So the Lloyd's
2: of London makes me cover it up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Greenfield became the second victim claimed by the killer, soon to be dubbed the Sydney Mutilator. And that's, of course, Mr. McDonald. Bum, bum, bum. It wasn't it? long before the voices in McDonald's heads were back, urging him to kill... And on the night of Saturday, June the 4th, we just talked about his career as a mutilator began when he struck up a conversation with Mr. Alfred Reginald Greenfield, 41-year-old vagrant. Wasn't that Batman's butler? That's (laughs) a
1: pretty uppity name for a hobo. Vagrant, yeah. I think it's Batman's butler. He was
2: sitting on a bench in Green Park (laughs) opposite St. Vincent's Hospital in the inner city of Sydney. McDonald Alfred Greenfield, who was homeless at the time, and an unemployed blast blacksmith. Aren't you really an unemployed whatever? If you're unemployed, you're unemployed, right? Yeah. I'm an unemployed physicist, right? I mean... I'm an unemployed right brain here. surgeon. Right, exactly. A drink from his bottle. He offered him some booze, and they went uh, to the nearby baths uh, on a pretext that he had some more bottles in the bag. So he said, you know, come to the bath, to this bath, public bath, and I'll give you some booze. But... Uh, in the in the bag was more beer, but there was also his blade.
1: His blade.
2: So uh, McDonald brought out his brand new long bladed razor sharp knife, especially for the occasion. Huh. Um So as a blacksmith, this guy would have recognized that. <laughs> he yes, he yeah. should have. Right. Um, there was a lot of different corners and, and hideaways in that little.
1: Was <laughs> his knife called? The Tallywacker Two Thousand. The Tallywacker Whacker. Whacker. <laughs> They I tell it in 2,000. It'll cut through cans, it'll cut through tomatoes, That's it'll right. cut through Just like
2: cans.
4: this? <laughs> yeah.
2: It slices, it dices. Anyway, McDonald and Greenfield chatted away as they shared another bottle of beer for a half an hour, uh, and, and then the need to kill Greenfield had now become just overwhelming for McDonald. He could no longer control his urge to kill him, and the man had already drunk all the beer, so at least he... Drug deal, and he fell asleep on the grass. So the man drinks, he passed out on the grass. Okay? Um, so so he, McDonald. So he really wasn't bothering him at so that. So McDonald took out his knife and he brought it down swiftly and buried the blade deep into the victim's neck. Ah,
1: oh, that hurt.
2: He lifted and plunged the knife again and again and again until Alfred <laughs> Greenfield laid still. Um, when he already
3: laying still, he was passed out. he, the he fr- was a hobo. Fr-
2: uh, the attack <laughs> severed the arteries in Greenfield's neck. I would say.
1: I would think so. Um, he had a lot of arteries. Blood
2: was everywhere. everywhere. But yes, That happens. But the killer had come prepared this time. He uh, McDonald had brought a light plastic raincoat in his bag. Oh, yeah. And he put it on before... Is Dexter based <laughs> off of this? I, I yeah.
1: Know.
2: He put it <laughs> right. on before the attack, attacking the unsuspecting Greenfield. So uh, I don't know what Greenfield was expecting when he put on this raincoat, but
3: <laughs> well, uh, apparently
2: it didn't. It didn't. You know, it probably didn't set off any alarms. Um, but he put on his. You know, if someone puts a raincoat on. You know, you, you're gonna be. You should be. You How should long raise are this they question. alone? That's I just my think question. it's in gonna be some some so wild in, sex. But I give a woman to put alley. a raincoat
1: on. I just think this look. Things are looking up.
2: So they're in
3: this alley drinking. You no, know, no, they're in this bath. Oh, yeah. so, okay, so they're in a bath yeah. drinking. This yeah. guy passes out, and they're still alone. And so old boy
2: has time to put on a raincoat. No, actually put it on before the guy passed out, and he just didn't question it. Well, because why would you? Why would you question putting <laughs> on the man, a raincoat? Hey, if, uh, if you're an al- alcoholic and a man's gotten me a beer, you're not going to ask Why
1: questions. would
3: you question him putting on a raincoat in a bath?
1: <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> you're going to find a lot of excellent deductive qualities <laughs> in hobos.
2: I don't, well. Anyway, after killing uh, Mr. Greenfield, um, the mutilator removed his trousers and underpants, lifted his, the testicles and penises. Uh, penis, not penises. There's only I just one. I was going to say, that'd be nice. Sure, he that lifted sharp. his testicles and penis and he sliced them off at the scrotum with his knife. So, oh. do you know what he's
3: doing with them? I mean, he's like, he, is he keeping them? Is he yeah. feeding them to his dog? Uh, yeah,
2: I'm going to get that. Okay. Um, uh, the we mutilator. And then through Alfred Greenfield's genitals into Sydney Harbor. So he's just taking them out of spite. <laughs> like, he out wrapped, of spite. He wrapped a knife in his raincoat, put the raincoat in his bag, and walked home.
1: He's not even making no genitalia lampshades or not nothing.
3: Nothing. I mean, you know what? At Stop least it, put off.
2: that shit in some formaldehyde and put it up on yeah. a shelf. Yeah. I but, mean, uh, my in God. The, in the following days, uh, he, would, he kept reading the newspaper to get details. You know, he kind of liked... Um, he kind of like reading about his own dastardly deeds in the paper.
1: He started believing
2: in his own press. Uh, and um, it, <laughs> it, it appeared in the paper this time. This time they did not, um, you know, mixed diagnose It was obviously that the man was... It was clear yelling. that they yeah. had chopped off his <laughs> junk. And they had stabbed him in the neck, yeah. Um, they called The papers called it a work of, the, uh, of a maniac, and they dubbed him the mutilator. So he's got a name now. Mm-hmm. So the press was on, was not allowed to print to the full extent of uh, Alfred Greenfield's injuries. Because you can't use penis in the paper. Well, you can, apparently. But the the rumor spread like wildfire. You know how wildfire is. Wildfire spreads fast. Yeah. Like chlamydia in a hobo camp. Yeah, like that,
3: the herpes uh, in Chuck's mouth.
2: Oh, oh, that's wrong. That is wrong, man. The press uh, did say that um, Green, uh, Greenfield... Had been violently stabbed at least 30 times, and certain parts, air quotes there, of his anatomy were found in the Arbor Harbor. They found it. They f- yeah, they found they it. They found dog. it. Yeah. They
3: fished it out of the river. Yeah,
2: and uh, Jesus, what they were of, the what kind of pecker did this guy have? <laughs> yeah, no. Apparently, he had wrapped it up, and they they found it. They were looking Squirrels for the... Squirrels were riding it up the river. They were they were <laughs> like the a police di- police divers found it. They were looking for the murder weapon, but they come up with a penis instead. So you know, you go looking for a murder weapon, you find a penis instead. It happens uh, to me all the time. <laughs> uh, however, uh, the police uh, didn't ha- have really have the slightest motive why anyone would want to kill the poor Mr. Greenfield, who was they, as far as they were, concerned, was a harmless vagrant. Um, let alone cut off his genitals and throw him a harbor.
1: Well, uh, is there really such thing though as a uh, as a what did you harmless just, vagrant. harmless vagrant?
2: Well, apparently I don't think were,
1: so. Police I, thought so. I'm not. Uh, um, I, I'm I'm opposed to vagrants.
2: Well, the police Jesus. thought in my head been a. Uh, they thought they would solve the problem because it, it, it was so you know it was so brutal that they thought it was a crime of passion and eventually well, I would think yeah eventually a woman would come forward to <laughs> uh, you know to claim what you know the f- fear some, of her life but we are some junk ripper officers. yeah but uh, no no one came forward and uh, police condu- even though the police conducted a ins- extensive investigation they couldn't find they couldn't find any no to greenfield um, they did offer a 1000 pound reward which is around $2000 for information leading um, to the killer's arrest. A couple of months later, uh, Sydney had all for- but forgotten about the mutilator. Um, things cooled down, and the police uh, ra- uh, uh, wrapped up their investigation cool. of the murder of Mr. Greenfield, and he became just another unsolved crime. But when uh, another derelict uh, turned up dead six months later with very similar injuries, the police knew that they had a serial killer on the loose. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a dead derelict. I was going
1: to say, you know, I bet the workers' comp rate is high to be a derelict.
2: (laughs) I don't know, but I feel bad for the derelicts. I mean, first of all, you're a derelict. I mean, that Mm -hmm. sucks. And then people going around cutting off your penis. I know. Well, but the women are safe, so we're all right there. (laughs) It's not easy being a a derelict. (laughs) <laughs> yes. a, a, a Dickless Derelict. Yeah, there's nothing worse. Um, now, McDonald changed his name again. Motherfucker changes his name a lot to Alan Brennan. And he was working as a postal clerk. So now he's going to on people. There you uh-huh. go. On the morning of Saturday, November 21st, 1961, which, Colonel, you know, is uh, <coughs> just a couple of years and a couple of days before the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. <laughs> not, <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. So? It's right but not long before the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, right. Yeah, about a month later. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, November 20... No, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis was in sixty-two, so it was about a year before. November 21st, 1961, William McDonald purchased a knife... With a six-inch blade from Mick Simmons Sports Store. I know you go in there a lot, Colonel. Yeah, but what happened to the
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!"
2: You know, Tully walked I, I don't know. I think he probably ditched it. Well, it got dull. I
3: mean, you can only hack yeah. so much before it yeah, gets dull. I mean, it's it's probably, not a Ginsu knife, for no. Christ's sake.
2: You, you know, you chop one penis, I think that thing's pretty much done. Well, I guess they didn't have cable TV back then. where you can well, get well, the QVC
1: We QVC. it all depends
2: knives. on how, how tough that penis is. Well, yeah, you get a leathery scrotum, I mean. <laughs> and you know derelicts have leathery scrotums. Well, if you, you gotta, I mean, nine out of ten,
0: you,
1: you got you to get the old hobos, okay. so the balls hang down real
2: good, and you can get a good hold on
1: them. Are you kidding me right up. now?
2: Yeah, God, that's disgraceful. <laughs> um, anyway, when he bought this uh, knife at the sports Mick. Mick- Simmons Sports Store, Mick Sim- Simons, I'm sorry, Sports Store. He told uh, a guy behind the counter he was one fishing. But what he really wanted to do was to commit murder again. He was getting those urges right to kill. Da, 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 da. They, be str- they become stronger than ever. So that night, November 21st, 1961, McDonald was walking uh, down the street in East Sydney when he saw 41 year old Ernest William Bass. <laughs> Ernest T. Bass? Ernest William Coben. That sucks. <laughs> staggering toward him. <laughs> McDonald lured Coben into a nearby, a near to nearby Moore Park where they sat in the public toilets and drank beer. Oh, that's no yeah, place that better be to be hygienic. No but, place better
3: to drink than a public yeah, toilet. Why don't to
2: sit your beer down in a public Well, you don't toilet. want to get a public, uh, you know, you don't want to get caught for uh, drinking in public. So anyway, uh, Coben made no comment when his friend put on a raincoat from his bag. Why would you? Yeah, (laughs) he was sitting on the toilet. Coben was drinking uh, when the first blow from the knife struck his throat, uh, severing his um, jugular vein. The mutilator had brought the knife up in a sweeping motion. The same way that a fighter delivers an uppercut, oh, and it was uh, and it had its desired effect. Ernest uh, Coben's blood sprayed everywhere, all over the mutilator's arm, face, and raincoat. And his raincoats come in handy. They do. Um, severely andur- injured and most likely in shock, uh, Coben instinctively—I
3: guess—Coben
2: <laughs> instinctively lifted his hand up to defend himself. Uh, as the mutilator kept stabbing repeatedly, wounding him on the arms, neck, face, and chest.
1: Well, you gotta really, you gotta really stab repeatedly to be a mutilator. Or you're just a slasher.
2: Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows that. That's mm-hmm. true. Even when uh, Ernest Coben fell stone dead uh, from the toilet seat, the mutilator kept his up his frenzy attack until blood was splattered all over the toilet cubicle. Yes. The mutilator then pulled down Ernest Coben's pants and, and underwear down to the knees, lifted his penis and testicles, sliced them off with a knife, nope. and put them in the plastic bag that he had brought with him. When he finished, the mutilator calmly took off his raincoat, wrapped the knife in the plastic bag, uh, wrapped the knife and the plastic bag in it, put them in the bag, his bag, and walked down, out of the toilet. He stopped along the way and washed his hands under a tap. Well, yeah. Back at his Clearly. lodging, the mutilator washed the bloody contents of the bag in warm water, put them in this, uh, pla- another plastic bag and, a bag, and took them to bed with him. What? So, so he, he slept So he kept this Pekka. This Pekka is a keeper. He he's keep sleeping with, him with him. junk? Well, just for a momentarily. The following day, the mutilator. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, <laughs> he was tired. It was a bed. long day. <laughs> You sleep with junk one time, and you're junk sleeper. (laughs) The following day, the mutilator wrapped a plastic bag in this and its grisly contents, the knife and a brick in a newspaper, tied them to a string, and threw them into Sydney Harbour into the deepest part. Um, This time, there would be no evidence left lying around. For the police to find, I will bet there's a bunch
1: of a bunch of great white sharks hanging around Sydney Harbour every time he comes up, like, waiting for, a, uh, wait
3: for waiting for someone, for a pecker.
2: Hmm. <laughs> waiting for someone to toss him a pecker. It's testicle stew day. Uh, the headlines in the newspaper the next day: Blaze Mutilator Strikes Again. The police received a phone call at 5:30 a.m. and a man with a hoarse voice said. There's a murdered man in the toilet in Moore Park, opposite of the Batten Ball Hotel. <laughs> they go to the Batten Ball Hotel. That's a fucking nice hotel. Idea. That's five stars. But you know what? <laughs> Not for that guy. Batten Ball Hotel, man. That's uh, that's nice. I like your impression. <laughs> that, was, that was sweet. The guy hung up. I should have Colonel do his uh, well, he's. He's no. disabled. Maybe. He is disabled. The herpes will get you. Um, the horror, the. The, the what? <laughs> the horror that the police confronted was unima- unimaginable. Unima- well, a bloody stall is pretty nasty. Ernest uh, Corbin had been uh, had been stabbed about 50 times. His private parts were completely missing. They had been sliced off as if by a surgeon. So the guy's got some skills. The toilet was a. Why well, now? He didn't know practice. The toilet was washed with blood. In the minds of t- Sydney's toughest detectives, there's no doubt that if anyone had walked in on a mutilator as he went about his business, they too would have been stabbed to death. Well, yeah, fucking yeah, fucking hey. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, we, that's we don't just walk it. in on somebody like that when yeah, they're doing their stuff. A madman was on the loose. No one was safe. Again, the police could not find a clue other than a missing penis. There were no fingerprints, uh, not even on the beer bottle. So, no luck. Um, so the mutilator had wiped everything clean. So he's a, you know, he's a, he's for he's pretty hygienic. Our mutilator friend. Um, no one had seen anything. The victim uh, that he killed was married with two children and had been living in the inner Sydney Harbour uh, area with so his. So he family. wasn't a vagrant. Well, he he was vagrant. He was married vagrant, but. I don't know. <laughs> hey, if you walk down, if you're walking in a park and someone shows you a bottle, or you don't talk to them you just start drinking it. You're a vagrant, in my opinion. <laughs> I think, you're a vague, right? I think yeah. that classifies you as a vagrant.
3: Maybe he was just
2: desperate. But outside of his mysterious uh, assassin assailant, uh, Mister Coben didn't have any enemies at all. He had no enemy in the world. Uh, police started staking out public toilets and uh, known derelicts' haunts, George, George Michael's places. <laughs> yeah because you know derelicts have bots. bat and ball. And ball. <laughs> bat and ball. <laughs> move, move, Undercover police disguises vagrants mixed in with the down and outs. Oh. Uh Yeah, but you know they always had the nicer shoes.
1: Well, that's true. You can yeah. always tell a vagrant by
2: Yeah, because, you know, you can look like a vagrant, but if you got Nikes on, you got Jordans on, mm-hmm. yeah, they know. It's like the hook, hookups, Demi. Yeah.
1: If they're pretty, they're police.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. they have all their teeth. And if yeah. they have all
1: their teeth, yeah. they're yeah. policemen.
2: But anyway, their efforts were fruitless. Uh, they did not catch uh, the mutilator. What as the
3: the longest part in the world,
2: <laughs> I know <laughs> it is long. I'm Sorry, we're like an hour into this. I, uh, well, he had a lot. Of, he was a busy man. There's a lot of junk out there to cut off. I can't <laughs> I'm saying it. As the months passed, police did take him this long to cut the junk off. As the months passed, police. Um, had no, uh, were no closer to catching a mutilator than they were after the Alfred Greenfield murder. Um, uh, they just waited for him to strike again. Um, know, yeah. What are you going to do? What are you <laughs> going to do? Uh, for his part, McDonald would read every newspaper uh, to kind of read the stories about himself. He kind of was fascinated about... And he read it like he was reading... Like someone else's story, like he would read it like as an observer, you know, just kind of interested in the story. Uh, he would even join his workmates in discussing uh, who the, who the mysterious mutilator could be. So he was a little sly little fox. Um, uh, McDonald would secretly get upset when his coworkers referred to the mystery murder as a queer or sexual <laughs> deviant. <laughs> No. <laughs> it it's it's not politically correct for them to say that. Well no, not queer, no. and they could have used that, yeah. You know, well this was nineteen fifty, so that. it was the it was the vernacular of the time. I don't even know that word that you just <laughs> said. So for a time, McDonald thought his workmates <laughs> <laughs> uh suspected him of being the mutilator of all people. <laughs> what a nerve of those bastards. <laughs> Was he taken aback? But it was only his paranoia. So he was going to, like, telltale hard. He was yeah. everything, you know, he was thinking people were looking at him. and um, He had thought about giving himself up to the police. It crossed his mind, but uh, he enjoyed killing too much. Sure. Because right. once you turn yourself in, party's yeah. over. Well, they make you stop. Oh, you got to <laughs> kill in jail. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. kill in jail. Yeah, I guess. Then they it. put you in solitary. Yeah, and then all you can kill is yourself. As months went by, the urge to kill became, became overwhelming. Uh, on the morning of Saturday, March 31st, 1962, which is probably around Easter time. Probably, yes. McDonald purchased <laughs> another long blade knife, a razor sharp knife from a Mick Simmons Sports Store. He keeps
3: going back there. Do these people not catch on to anything?
2: <laughs> he packed it in his bag with his raincoat. Uh, It was raining slightly, so it was a good idea. He had his rainbow coat on that night. Um, It was around 10 a.m. He left the Oxford Hotel and followed a man by the name of Frank Gladstone McLean uh, down the street, uh, and he passed a police station. McDonald struck up a conversation with the drunken McLean and suggested that they go t- uh, go uh, to Brook Lane, which is a little side street, and have a drink. He, he was very sociable. You've got to admit he was a sociable guy. Yeah. Mm. They uh, rounded the unlit corner, and the muter later plunged his knife into McLean's throat. He didn't throat. even
3: wait. He yeah, didn't boy, even did let they,
2: him drink. There was no foreplay this time. No, uh, he just plunged his knife right into McLean's throat. And this was right a- right around the corner from the police station, too. McLean was a tall... Ballsy. Well, by
1: this time, he had gotten a lot of balls, didn't ballsy. he? Yeah, McLean
2: was a tall man, <laughs> a tall, thin man, well over six foot tall, and could have made mincemeat out of the much smaller McLean had he not struck him in the throat with a knife.
1: Well, yeah, that's a definite disadvantage in a fight, yeah.
2: Yeah, the, the advantage just starts to sway your way once you do <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, McClain felt the knife sink deep into his throat uh, as he started to uh, resist. The mutilator stabbed him again in the face And as McLean fell, trying to protect himself, the mutilator punched him in the face, uh, forcing him to off balance. He fell to the ground. The mutilator got on top of him and stabbed him in the head, neck, throat, face, and chest until he was dead. Yeah, saturated. Pretty much did what he did to Ruddy. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. He's he's a one, uh, you know. He's a one trick pony. Yeah, he is. Um, So. Saturated in Frank McLean's blood, the mutilator dragged the body a few yards through the bushes, lowered his victim's trousers, and uh, taking his knife out, he sliced the bottom of uh, Mr. McLean's testicles, sliced off his entire. Can we from now on just say did the deed, okay? <laughs> oh, did oh, the yeah. deed. Whacked his junk off. Yeah. Yeah. He, nah. he whacked his tallywhacker. <laughs> For the first time, uh, the mur- uh, mutilator was frightened that he was going to be caught because. He committed uh, the act not very far from a police station and also from a very busy street, Burke Street in Sydney. Uh, he put the genitals in a plastic bag uh, and he you know, he was really worried that someone saw him because he heard baby, a baby crying and voices nearby so he was afraid of someone. So he was getting really paranoid at this time and he thought that a police car was going to pull up on him any minute. I must go through raincoats like yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But his luck held out. Um, He was able to make it home. um, With his Ziploc bag. With his Mm -hmm. Ziploc bag. Um, Did he sleep with it? He passed several people on the street, but no one paid him attention. Um, And he was now, um, for the fourth time now, he escaped uh, as if he was invisible. Back in his room, the mutilator washed the contents of his plastic bag in the sink. So he took the dick out and washed the dick and balls put them in a, clear, a clean plastic bag and in the morning he threw them off the sitting harbor Well, yeah, because you want to make sure that shit's yeah. nice and clean before you toss it Yeah, you, it you don't want to
1: be tossing dirty hobo junk into the harbor. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the police organized their hunt for the mutilator at the time of uh, Frank McLean's death uh, and they they were out searching for this guy when it happened. Uh, within minutes, there were 30 detectives at the murder scene, so they were on it this time. They were on it this time, yeah. 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 Um... This, these murders were unprecedented in Australian history. Uh, police could not recall a more violent or sickening crime. Because they were all men and there One, was no job. Oh, well, yeah. One theory was that the murderer was a deranged surgeon, I guess because he used surgeon-like precision in removing the penis and testicles. Okay, did the deed. That's all you got to say. <laughs> uh, the removal of Frank McLean's genitals had been done with a scalpel. by. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, with someone who had, uh, it, it, it looked like someone who had years of surgical experience, the expert says.
1: Well, I suppose um, it's better than using like a, you know, what's a Bloody a, knife? Yeah, a, a <laughs> yeah. rusty can lid or right. something. Right, oh,
2: yeah, that's Which true. is how they could have taken out my gallbladder. <laughs> I would have let them. Police uh, even um, uh, sought the advice of clairvoyance to try to try to figure this thing out, but no, to no avail. Miss um, Cleo, Cleo could not help them. Um, Miss Cleo could not, but they brought in a, a clairvoyant named Rosaline Norton, who claimed to have touch with the mutilator. Uh, she had chats with the devil every day, but uh, I never he, talked to her. Never run
1: into her. No, in your, in your support group or no. whatever it is, no. your no. Social liar. But apparently, she was
2: lying. a nor- notorious uh, liar, liar, <laughs> a liar, uh, mm. notorious clairvoyant. But uh, police investigated nice. her um, her leads, but they led to nothing, of course. So a special police task force was set up to track down the killer who was causing them so much embarrassment. The police are getting embarrassed at this point. This guy's going around be. taking off people's dicks, and they can't stop him. Well, you think the hobos felt right. They Ridiculous were hobos weren't all uh, that happy either. Uh, teams of detectives work around the clock, checking out every possible lead. Um, and they were searching for tips. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. I thought he wasn't allowed to talk. <laughs> The police phones ran hot. There were a lot of people calling in, you know, reporting Was there junk here. sightings? Yeah, they were. Uh, <laughs> night shelters and hostels were checked and double-checked. Nothing, nothing, nothing they could find. By now, the police had a dossier on the mutilator. It was inches thick. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: was um, it six inches thick? I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, so uh, they suspected uh, an American soldier who had been charged with the murder of a 13-year-old boy in Germany who was also kind of, was mutilated. Uh, but uh, that lead proved uh, to be fruitless. So they were really at a standstill who, who was behind this. Uh, the reward was upped, uh, increased to 5,000 pounds or $10,000, which was a staggering amount for the 1960s. On April 14th, a young man, Patrick... Rowan, informed police that he had been attacked by a mutilator in uh, on a street nearby Sydney Park, not far from where Frank McLean was murdered. Ryan said that his attacker scaled a high fence and lunged at him with a long blade, but missed, nicking him uh, only slightly. Um, he said the mysterious assailant was hissing at him as he attacked. He described the man as being tall and solid and of foreign descent uh, between the age of 30 and 40, uh, wearing a light collared suit. Unfortunately, nothing came of this as they discovered Ryan was an alcoholic, <laughs> undergoing psychiatric treatment. He could still be telling the truth. This seems yeah. Just, you know, and cut himself, uh, and had cut himself, and made the story up to get a bit of attention. The an unsympathetic judge gave him eighteen months in prison. <laughs> God, it's <laughs> not nice. All right, all right.
3: In the meantime, things were not going quite so well for Mr. McDonald in his private life.
1: Well, they were going less well for the guy who got 18 months for chopping off his own pack Well, clearly. Nah, his
3: penis wasn't chopped off. He just cut himself. He cut himself. He's a cutter. Uh, In totally unrelated incidents. Maybe been shaving. Well, he could have been. He had a severe falling out with his landlord, and in the same week, he got fired from his mail sorting job at the postal department. How do you get fired from the post office? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, this isn't us. Awesome. But he'd saved a lot of money over the years, not on raincoats, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, no, not. The, and he decided to go into business for himself as a
2: butcher. <laughs> wow! <laughs> hey, there you go. Well, there you go. He's got a skill, life skill. Yeah, he's got not, He's got the appropriate skills. Yeah. Transferable skills.
3: Still using the assumed name of Alan Edward Brennan, he paid five hundred and sixty pounds or eleven hundred and twenty dollars for a business in Burwood, an inner western suburbs of Sydney. Right,
2: say so he's starting his own business. He's got in
3: a- his little shop, he made sandwiches. Okay. It was like a Subway. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he sold a variety of small goods. The shop was also an agency for a dry cleaning
1: company. <laughs> well, which which well. came in handy for him. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, Especially his raincoats. Raincoats, right. Rain codes. Rain codes, Can right. you get
1: the blood out of my,
2: out of my socks, please? Uh, did, did they sell uh, peanut sandwiches there? <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> they might have. That the would finest. have been the perfect cover. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. With the salami, just yeah. have it all, Yeah. <laughs> So the urges to murder and mutilate came again stronger than ever before. And one night early in November of 1962, he went to a wine saloon right. called the Wine Palace. What they? Those swinging doors? A fancy one. I don't know. Well, clearly a fancy one. Uh, and it was opposite the People's Palace uh, in Pitt Street in the heart of downtown Sydney. Right in the heart. Right. He was looking for a victim. So he met 42-year-old James Hackett, who was a petty thief and a derelict.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Do they have meetings, the derelicts? Yeah. <laughs> well, they if they had, had they would, would have been a, warned about this guy.
1: Was he a card-carrying derelict or just a... I think he was just... He was, was a union. wildcat. He was, he was he a wildcat. Was, yeah. He was. No, yes, yeah, he union. was. Yeah.
3: But he'd only been out of jail for a couple of weeks, so, oh, yeah. so he was Making his bones as a derelict. Yeah. So, McDonald took Hackett back to his new residence. I where just they, love
2: the name. His name is Hackett.
3: Yeah. And they continued drinking until Hackett passed out on the floor. The mutilator then used a knife from his delicatessen to stab the sleeping Hackett. On the first plunge, the long knife went straight through Hackett's neck, but incredibly, Hackett woke up and shielded the next blow with his arm, thus diverting the blade, diverting the knife into the mutilator's other hand, cutting it badly. Uh, you're nice. like a ninja derelict. Sort of. With blood pouring from the wound on his hand, the mutilator unleashed renewed homicidal rage on Hackett. Well, yeah, he cut now. He brought the knife down with both hands and plunged it through Hackett's heart, killing him instantly. Yeah, no, The floor was awash with blood, but still the mutilator attacked Hackett's body with the knife until he had to stop for breath. He sat in the pools of blood beside the body, puffing and panting. There was blood everywhere. It was splattered all over the walls, all over the ceilings. It collected in big puddles on the floor. He bandaged his hand with a dirty dishcloth. That's
2: not, that's not that's not uh, hygienic. Nope. No.
3: Well, and then he decided, okay, he's so now, yes, and now he's going to remove this guy's nuts. Yeah. Uh, but the knife was now blunt and bent. So he was too exhausted to go down and get another one.
2: I mean, it's not easy being a mutilator. It's really not. It's
3: exhausting. So he just sat there covered head to foot in blood, hacking away at this guy's <laughs> script <screwed laughs> with Uh-oh. the blunt knife. Can't you just see him just oh, sitting there, slumped over in the corner, just kind of half-ass hacking at him? Just, damn it. Come he off.
1: He not the mutilator. Yeah.
3: So he stabbed the penis a few times, yeah, and then made some cuts around the testicles before finally, you know what, done. He just gave up and this fell asleep. He needed a, fell ass- of,
2: needed a good pair of scissors.
3: He fell asleep where he sat.
2: <laughs> well, so he's
3: the- next to this half-naked, bloody, nasty guy. With his dick hanging off. With his d- dick half off. And he falls asleep. So in the morning, he woke. Him, he woke up to find himself covered in the sticky, drying blood and lying next to the victim. All right. The pools of blood had soaked through the floorboards and threatened to drip into the counters of his shop.
2: See, that's why you should always clean up immediately after mutilation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, clearly. I mean, how t- whatever. A a How tired do you have to be to just mm-hmm. be like, fuck it, I'm going to sleep. I
3: just can't. <laughs> That's a lot of chopping.
2: I, this stick just ain't going to come off. So
3: it's I- just not. I just cannot do it. So the mutilator had a bath, cleaned himself up, went to the hospital where he had some stitches put in his hands. See, I wouldn't have made that a priority the night before. before well. Before taking my nap. But he's got the cover. He's got the perfect cover for it because he said he cut it, it a at his shop. Yeah. Um, and then it took them. It took in the rest of the day to clean up the mess upstairs. Uh, the huge pools of blood on the linoleum couldn't be scrubbed out, so he had to tear that up, no. break it into bits, throw it out. He had asbestos in it too. You already that's know. Work. So he also removed all of Hackett's bloody clothing, leaving only only the socks. Um,
2: do <laughs> to his feet cold.
3: <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. Uh, he then dragged the dead and naked Hackett underneath his shop and left him there. Every few hours, he went back to the body and dragged it a little further into the foundations of the building until it was jammed into a remote corner of the brickwork, out of view and almost impossible to see. Uh, McDonald left all of his bloody clothing with the corpse. He panicked when he finally sat down and thought about what he'd done. He thought the police would come looking for Hackett. Only a few of the bloodstains had come off the walls, and there was blood all over the floorboards.
2: You know, for someone going around cutting people's dicks off, he's not very cool about it. He wasn't no. a good planner. no. Not a lot of foresight there. Uh, A lot of foreskin.
3: Well, yeah. If the police even came to ask him questions, he'd be screwed. And then there was the cab driver who drove them to the shop the night of the murder. He would remember them. Why? So, paranoid and terrified, McDonald packed his bags and caught a train to Brisbane, where he moved into a boarding house, dyed his graying hair black, grew a mustache, and assumed the name of Alan McDonald. Every day. He bought the Sydney newspaper expecting to read about the murder of Hackett and how the police were looking for a man named Brennan in in connection with the mutilator murders. As the days turned into weeks and months, there was no mention of anybody or any search for the the missing Brennan. McDonald was beside himself with worry. Had police found the body and set a trap for him? Would they knock on his door any minute? The mystery of it was maddening.
2: Well, I mean, he, he doesn't have, you know, he, the guy is a little, he, he's a little anxious, too anxious to be a mutilator. If well. you're worried about, you know, if you're a little, you know, you're worrying about it all the time, a cop busting you, then don't go in that business. Don't go around cut people's dicks off. and You don't have to worry about it. I just think he's a little bit too anxious to be in that line of work. Well, well, he is. You have to be cooler than that. However, yeah. however,
3: mm-hmm. he didn't have to worry about it. Why? Well, because he'd been declared dead. He had. And nobody was looking for it. So a couple of days after McDonald left for Brisbane, customers wanting to pick up their dry cleaning at the deli. <laughs> or sandwich. Or, or sandwich, a sandwich or whatever. Sandwich. But they had become concerned that no one was at the shop. And they assumed that the nice Mr. Brennan had left without telling anybody. After three weeks, it's, you know, the corpse started to smell. Yeah. To do that. Uh, and after a month, the smell was so overwhelming that neighbors called the health department, who in turn called the police to break the door in. The smell in the shop was hideous, and that led to the rotting body of Hackett. The corpse was so badly decomposed and mauled by rats that it was impossible to identify, and the only thing the coroner could determine that was that it was a male about 40 years old, the so same age as the yeah. missing Brennan.
2: Right. So he's gone they find this body under his door so you naturally yeah. think it's him.
3: At yeah. this stage, police assumed it was the body of the missing shop proprietor who had crawled under his shop for reasons known only to himself and electrocuted himself.
2: <laughs> sure. If you ever find me under this building, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, if you ever find me under this building, know that I didn't go there by myself. Well,
1: that's like I saw a, a meme on on Facebook that said, if you ever find me dead on a jogging trail, yeah. it wasn't hard heart attack. Uh, my, <laughs> yeah, my body's been moved. my body's been moved.
3: Um, Let's see. It looked like they had no reason to suspect foul play. Everything was normal. It looked like an accidental death. The body was buried in a pauper's grave um, under the name of Alan Edward Brennan. Had William McDonald stayed away from Sydney, he'd have gotten away with five murders. Unaware that he was supposedly dead and buried, McDonald stayed a short time in Brisbane before going to New Zealand. Still in the belief that the police would be looking for him, but his urge to kill was still with him and he was getting stronger every day. He just couldn't leave well enough. Mm-hmm. He had to kill again, and for reasons only to him, he had to return to Sydney to do it.
2: He had to cut off another penis. One mm-hmm. of
3: McDonald's old co workers. like a lazy potato chip. <laughs> you
2: can't have one. A Pringles. One. A Pringles, yeah. You can't just Can have just one. One, right?
3: one of McDonald's old co workers, McDonald, yeah, John McCarthy, bumped head-on into the dead Brennan as he was walking down a crowded George Street in the heart of Sydney. Well, I bet he
2: was beside himself. <laughs>
3: he nearly died of shock and had no idea that the murdered Hackett had been buried as the missing Brennan. MacDonald was surprised when his old friend was so stunned to see him. You're supposed to be dead, he told MacDonald. What do you mean? I don't understand why we have there's dialogue here like did somebody record this <laughs> uh, they found your body underneath your shop at Burwood and we went to your funeral service but if you're alive who's the body under the shop and why did you run away that's a fair question fair question and well, you some bitch you owe me fourteen dollars to I send flowers never mind that Here's the thing. Do you ask that to the person that's standing there in front of you? Like, mm-hmm. that should be an internal yeah, wonderment. That's an internal like, dialogue. That's an internal there. dialogue. Yeah. Like, you don't just ask Well, him. and then
2: once you put that out
3: there... You take the fuck off.
2: Or, Get the hell or out of Or if box. you're the mutilator, there's your next victim. Well,
3: clearly. So, it dawned on McDonald what had happened, and he ran down the street. See, you don't just run down the street. When someone throws that out God. there, God, hell, I don't know who was under there. What, did, what are you talking yeah. about? I went to visit my sister. Uh, that night, he was on the... He was on the midnight train to Melbourne.
1: <laughs> He's <John> leaving. <laughs> 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 on the midnight train <laughs> 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 to Melbourne. John He'd rather McCarthy. live in his world huh? <laughs> <You're never laughs> not a penis in
3: John McCarthy went to the police, but they didn't believe him. And he told him he had just drank with a de- just had a drink with a dead man. The desk sergeant
2: told him to go home and sleep it off. <laughs> See, so many times we do these stories where people <laughs> go to report this. I know. The cops ignore him. I'm the desk jealous.
3: sergeant didn't believe him the following day when he went back and told him the same story. They said he was crazy, and in desperation, Don, John McCarthy rang the Daily Mirror and spoke to a renowned crime reporter,
2: Joe Morris. Joe Morris? He's on your side. You got Joe Morris? He did he's, get he's, Joe Morris. Yeah. He's renowned. He's renowned. He's a yeah. dog with a bone, dude. He just, <laughs> Get uh, John, John Morris on the case. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um,
3: Shit, it, it's on a fucking roll. Oh, well. The, he took up the story yeah. and published The Tale of the Walking Corpse. This put pressure on the police further, and they exhumed the remains and finger...
2: They didn't finger-dee. fingerprint the they guy finger-dee.
3: before they buried him? No, they <laughs> did a
2: crappy job. They just, just Jesus louise. They they did a half-assed job uh, on the autopsy.
3: Okay, so they the police finally felt like they were on to the mutilator. John McCarthy supplied an extremely lifelike description of the missing Brennan. Why wouldn't it be lifelike? I'm serious.
2: Well, they didn't have a photo of him, so he had to tell them, and they did a so they did sketch. So did a sketch artist. They did a sketch. Yeah. right.
3: Okay. What the hell ever. Uh, and it was circulated on the front page of every paper across the nation. Meanwhile, William, William McDonald had taken a job on the railways in Melbourne. <laughs> and even though he dyed his hair and had a light mustache, there was no mistaking that he was the missing Brennan. Yeah,
2: yeah he, he, he was dancing. like on uh, Australia's most, most wanted, wanted or something. Yeah. Well, point. and his new
3: co-workers were on him like a hobo on a ham sandwich. <laughs> and he,
2: as Not he asked, like a penis on a vagrant. <laughs>
3: and he asked the state as he asked the station master for his pay for the three days he'd worked, the police swooped in on the meek and mild-mannered yes. little man yes. who had brought Australia's yeah. biggest city to its knees and took him to you Russell Street for questioning. William McDonald didn't oppose his extradition to Sydney to face murder charges, and a crowd was at Sydney Airport to greet the two detectives who did jack shit
0: Yeah,
3: uh, and get the first glimpse of Australia's most grotesque and notorious serial killer. They were to be disappointed. The thin, short, shy McDonald was nothing like the beast they'd imagined.
2: Uh, and he confessed. You don't, mean confessed. To be, you don't mean need to be that big to cut off a tally not well, And he confessed. This doesn't take much.
3: He was charged with four counts of murder. He pled not guilty on the grounds of insanity. His trial was held in September of 1963 and was one of the most sensational the country had ever seen. And the public hung on to every word of horror that fell out of the mutilator's mouth. When he testified how he stabbed one of his victims in the neck 30 times and then removed the man's testicles and penis with the same knife, a woman in the jury fainted. She oh, got the no. vapors. She got the vapors? <laughs> Judge McLennan stopped the proceedings and excused this juror from the rest of the grisly evidence. He then ordered...
2: Did they the, bring the? Did they bring in the penises to show as evidence? I don't know if
3: they had them. They should have been preserved in yeah, Ziploc bags, because yeah. that shit will preserve just it about it. Yeah. yeah. You know it would have been better if you had a food saver.
1: <laughs> yeah, a vacuum sealer, food
3: yeah, That would have been better. <laughs> oh yeah. You can save space that way too. You
2: can. Oh you got seven or I love my
3: food yeah. saver. Yeah. So McDonald went into great detail about his crimes and it didn't take long to find them to find him guilty of four counts of murder. As everyone thought, well, the mutilator fast. I guess it didn't <laughs> take long. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know why there was a I trial. Did I did it. <laughs> yeah, I did it. And this uh-huh. is how. Yeah. And then I just got tired. <laughs>
2: just <kind> of, <laughs> I just kind of chopped it. I and just and kind and of they chopped it. I only got it later. for four counts, even though he killed five people. But
3: well, yeah. yeah. So before, let's see. Everybody thought that the mutilator was crazy. Um, there was yet another sensation when the jury chose not to go pub, not to go with public opinion, and found him to have been sane at the time of the murders. Before passing sentence, Mr. Justice McLennan said it was the most barbaric case of murder and total disregard for human life that and had come penises. before him. And penises, yeah. Yeah. In his many years on the bench. William McDonald had shown no signs of remorse and had made it quite clear that if he were free, he'd, he'd go on killing. Yeah. yeah. Man, as often would, as his urges you came you do along. Do not want
2: to share a uh, jail you know cell? No. No, no, no he no, needs no, to no. be alone. He, he needs a be, spork. Give he, this man a spork. I don't want him having a
3: fork. Uh, well, a yeah. spork? Deadly. Yeah. You, you can kill a bitch with a spork. Yeah. And, and scoop out the scoop junk. Oh, scoop out the scoop. junk. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was sentenced to life in prison, and his papers were marked likely to offend again. Yeah, because he told you he would. <laughs> he
1: told you he would.
3: Uh, shortly after his incarceration, he bashed another prisoner to death <laughs> with a slops bucket and Long Bay jailers result. Well, it's, as hard a result, get,
2: it's hard to get, you know, knives in prison. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck's a slops bucket? Anyway. Well, I guess it's like a mop bucket. No, but those big metal buckets. Those yeah. are sweet. Uh, and
1: Motherfucker. As,
3: <laughs> and as a result of that, he was declared insane by a panel of doctors. He spent the next 16 years at the Morissette Psychiatric Center for the Criminally Insane. Is that like Arkham Asylum? Because mm-hmm. that's sweet. Yeah. Uh, on the New South Wales coast. In 1980, William McDonald was found sane enough to be released back into the mainstream prison society and has since been in the protective custody of the Cessnock Prison, about a two-hour drive northwest from Sydney. He requested to live in this section of the jail because it was quieter and he wouldn't be disturbed by, you know, the prison riffraff. Yeah. Was, he, he wasn't uh, he in
1: the same asylum a roommate with Mr. Freeze? Uh, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn?
2: Yeah, the Joker. Apparently one. he was, a, you know, in his, in his later, <coughs> later years before he died, he was, you know, this old... Uh, you know, just the, he kind—he of, was really institutionalized, and you know, just he was just uh, very uh, innocent type of prisoner. You know, I mean, he didn't cut anyone's junk. Tell off you enough. well, yeah, till he took somebody's junk off with yeah, a. But plastic if they would have given him a knife, it would have kind of calmed yeah. down later on.
3: So here he lived a reclusive existence, reading and listening to classical music. Uh, and became known as Old Bill. Old Bill. Oh,
2: good old Bill. Good old, old Bill. Bill. You know, he cut used off to, he used to, cut, off, he used to yeah. cut off decks, but now he's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, and just listen to classical music. It, had he done that before, he would probably have probably been okay. Yeah. Should have picked up that hobby mm-hmm. a little bit before. William McDonald, the mutilator, died on April twelfth,
3: two 2015, a month before our birthday. Uh, yeah, and this uh, it's it hasn't even been a year yet. No. He no. was 90. Uh, he died while he was still imprisoned, and at the time of his death, he was the oldest and longest served prisoner in the custody of Australia. I wonder if they cut his dick off after he died? I wouldn't
1: think so. No, th- put
3: it in, in a, a Ziploc baggie for yeah. preservation. Threw <laughs> <you know, laughs> yeah. no, it in a No, because now, now we have food
1: savers, so yeah. they
3: just vacuum packed that shit.
1: I got like forty-eight comforters. It's, it's sucked down to the size oh, of about like a I like a nickel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know.
2: I love that shit. So, Brandy, what's, what's your thoughts? Uh, final thoughts on William McDonald, the mutilator?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: she liked it, you know. She, she, she,
1: the, she, it's the giggles every time yeah, she hears of a penis is. being cut I off. I
3: do. I just love the fact that he kept transferring baggies. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this one got this was gross. I'm gonna transfer it over here he before I throw it into the river. And Baggies
1: and knives. Like, I'm telling
3: you, he yeah. he should have shopped at Costco for those baggies. Yeah. That would have been the best bet. Colonel,
2: what's your thought on the mutilator?
1: I'm opposed to involuntary junk removal, Timmy.
2: You're not a big fan of castration? 1 800. 1 800 got junk. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, oh you guys. That's, nah. I mean, it's a, I mean, you laugh, but if you had a <laughs> loved one who had their junk cut off, it wouldn't be so funny. Well, as long as it was me. Yeah, but I didn't, so it's okay.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, Brandy, where can people find us? Hmm. You can find us on. The iTunes. We're on the iTunes. Please leave us a
3: review. And we're on Facebook. And I love Facebook comments. They make me happy. And we are on Stitcher and Libsyn. And where else are we? Uh, And not YouTube because Chuck sucks and we don't have all this time. We are on the Twitter. At History Dweebs 1. Yes. And Chuck sucks because he's supposed to have. I've been all this time waiting. In, in
2: fine, I've, fine, infirm. I, I believe he said the first of the year. I've it? been infirmed. Hmm. I did not specify the year to me. <laughs> I mean, to, you couldn't even on my deathbed. Hear, would you quit? i yes, okay, 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 and all seriousness,
3: Colonel, on my deathbed, you couldn't even get the YouTube uh, you channel know, going.
2: I, I'm not. I didn't have great hopes for that. But when he promised Brittany Nicole <laughs> that he would send her an autographed picture, you, you know, know what? I have
1: been. It's it's sitting can at Walgreens. Probably, it got printed. I got. You promised
2: her that. You got his herpes. Her. Are taking up a lot of his time. I know, but yeah. Brittany Nicole, I'm sorry that the thing bad here. She's is on eating. Team Brandy. Still, you promised her. Oh, it will get out this week, Timmy. Okay. Okay. But Nicole, I'll talk if, to if my you people, don't, you let us make know. You're YouTube channel. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll see you all again real soon next time on History Dweeve. Good day.
4: Bye. Bye bye.